Today on Blue 58, our first real look at Jordan Love yielded more questions than answers on top of handing the Packers their second loss of the season. Was he to blame, or did the second-year signal caller even have a shot? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one, the only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. So, coming out of the Packers' loss today to the Kansas City Chiefs, I think I've, I feel like I really only know one thing for sure, and that, I, that it's that the Packers would have won this game if Aaron Rodgers was on the field. Complimentary football is a real thing. And I think just with the way the Packers' offense played, and I guess with the way their special teams played, having Jordan Love calling the shots just nudge them into too much to overcome territory. That's not to say Jordan Love was to blame for what happened today, but that with a quarterback more capable of stabilizing what was going on, the Packers may have come out of that game with a win and probably should have. But let's talk about Jordan Love. I'm going to deviate a little bit from the normal, uh, starting off with three good things uh, from the game format here, because Jordan Love is the story here. Aaron Rodgers not on the field for this one. Um, and so Jordan Love gets the start. Conversation really starts and ends there, doesn't it? He is the story in this game, fair or not. And on the one hand, I think you can pretty conclusively say he was not good enough to win the game. But on the other, he wasn't really the reason they lost it either. And I think if you're ranking the reasons the Packers lost this game, Love might not be in the top three. If he is, he's third. So what do we make of him then? I honestly have no idea. And that's frustrating because coming out of this with no real idea if he's good or not is almost the worst possible outcome. If he came out and was dealing tonight, great. Looks like the Packers got a heck of a prospect here. If he was really, really bad, you can just say, well, let's start the process of moving on. Or you can talk about whether or not things are redeemable. If he's just kind of middling, well, that really doesn't move you any closer one way or another to where you would like to be, which is having a quarterback for the present and the future. So that's kind of a problem. And that's where we were in Sunday's game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Love did some good, some bad, and some stuff happened to him that was out of his control. Let's talk through it. The good stuff, you can see the arm talent there on some throws. He didn't get many opportunities to cut it loose, but when he did, boy, the ball just goes. He can flick it down the field with anybody. And when he gets the ball out fast, he can be decisive and he's got the arm strength uh, to make just about any throw out there. He can throw guys open. He can find small windows. The drive the Packers had to start the fourth quarter, he was getting the ball out fast. It looked good. Nine completions in a row at one point. So you can see the talent there. But on the other side, he looked really raw. And that's a little bit concerning to see a year and a half into his career. The accuracy, too, is not there. Especially on some short throws. Especially early in the game. It did come on a little bit later in the game. But for the first half, it was pretty rough. 
And you do kind of have to point out that if not for A.J. Dillon wrestling the ball away from Tyron Matthew and Randall Cobb coming down with what essentially was an arm punt, he might have had three picks in this one. But on top of both of those things, there was a lot that happened in this game that Jordan Love really just had no control over. The interior offensive line was a big problem. Look, the Chiefs' defense is not good, but they knew how to exploit what the Packers' weaknesses were, and they came again and again and again up the middle, especially on third downs. And valiant though it was for Matt LaFleur to take the blame for Jordan Love's performance with some of his play calls, you can bet your bottom dollar that the Chiefs are not dialing up those blitzes from wherever on third downs if it's Aaron Rodgers under center. It's just a fact. On top of the stuff going on with the the Chiefs defense and the Packers interior offensive line, Love was really put behind the eight ball with field position in this game. Drive after drive after drive, the Packers started deep in their own territory, either because they were not doing a good job on kickoff returns or the Chiefs punter was pinning them deep. That's part of the game, obviously, uh, but it it limits what you can do sometimes. And uh, Love had to deal with that. And finally, it's sort of an indirect thing for Love, but the Packers, again, seemed to run just too little. They were never really out of this game score-wise, but Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon ended the game with just 20 carries between them. That seems like too little. On top of all this, there was some stuff with love that just made me scratch my head a little bit. I'm not really sure what to make of it. First and foremost, why did they wait so long to go to the quick passing game? That drive again to start the fourth quarter seemed to be the only time they really had a focus on getting the ball out quick and short. Other times there was some really long developing stuff sprinkled in and the passing game just seemed disjointed. Maybe that's love's fault, maybe it isn't. But I wonder why it took them so long to go to that approach. Clearly, Love can do that well. Why not put him in a position to do what he does well? Kind of related to that, it seemed for a lot of the game, maybe all of the game, that the Packers really just had nothing to call for Jordan Love. No safety net plays, nothing they could call fall back on. It seemed like they didn't know or maybe couldn't find anything that he did well. It didn't seem like there was a defined game plan, at least with with him in mind, that says, Jordan can do this, he can do this, but he can't do this. So we're going to focus on doing those two things and really try to help him execute. It was basically, okay, we'll try some screen plays, and, and then the screen plays, and that's about it. There wasn't a ton of stuff that really seemed tailored to what he can do. I don't know what it is that he can do, but it doesn't seem like they have anything really, they had anything really well suited to him. He never really seemed super comfortable. It wasn't that he was rattled. I don't think he ever really looked rattled or off his game or anything. It just, he never really settled in. And I think part of that is the Packers didn't seem to have anything they could turn to that was really a a big plus for love. So in conclusion of the love segment, I find myself wondering if it's really a bad thing that we have no idea what love is right now. 
And I think at my most honest, I would say, I don't think so. The Packers have time here. But really didn't like how raw he looked. And look, it is just one game. And there is development that can go on still. But I just wish that he had looked and felt a little bit more polished just in the way things had gone on in this game than he did. But even more than that, as we said to start, I don't like that it was just a pretty middling game for him. It's hard to learn anything in a situation like that. And I don't feel we know substantially more now about love than we did before the game. And that's a frustrating place to be in. And I got to imagine there's some stuff like that for the coaching staff too. A lot of the game, a lot of the way it it sorted out, was out of love's control. And that's a shame if you're trying to get an honest read on a guy. But that's the break sometimes too. Some good things that came out of tonight's game. The defense, I think, is the first and foremost. Can't ask for much more from this Packers defense. Holding anybody to 13 points, you should win. And by and large, the Packers do win when they they hold people to that point total. Uh, The Packers have had 74 games where they've allowed 13 or fewer points since the year 2000. And in those games, after today, they are a whopping 72-2. and The only other loss was against the Detroit Lions in 2010 when Aaron Rodgers left the game with a concussion pretty early. But in this game, Devondre Campbell and Chris Barnes in particular Looked especially good today. Campbell just smooth and smart, always in the right spot, ready to make a play. And Chris Barnes hitting big today, saving a touchdown at one point. Just great to see the defense out there flying around looking assignment sure. Hey, pretty darn good stuff. I realize I said three good things, I really only got two. I think that's fine. But the second of those two good things is A.J. Dillon. Aaron Jones, of course, pretty solid too. Solid performances by both Packers backs, but it seems like A.J. Dillon is really figuring out who he is as a player, and it's interesting and enjoyable to watch. He doesn't dance as much behind the line of scrimmage. He gets the ball and goes. Uh, He looks confident in the power that he brings to his runs. He looks smoother in the passing game every week. It was an open question at one point how much he could contribute in the passing game. Uh, The Packers, for their part, always said that it was something he could do. And he has largely borne that out. But even so, he's looked like he is improving each and every week, just more and more comfortable catching the ball in space. And boy, is he dangerous for defensive backs when he catches the ball in space. Now, only two good things. But for bad things, I had some trouble restricting it to three. So we're going to talk about four things. Uh, The first one is special teams just generally. Just to recap special teams adventure today. A missed field goal, a blocked field goal, a muffed punt that led to points for the Chiefs, and a muffed punt that the Packers recovered, plus lining up illegally on a kickoff. I was talking with a couple friends during this game, and one of them at one point said, one more bad thing and Maurice Drayton isn't going to have a job on Monday. To which I countered and said, what has Maurice Drayton done to this point that he could argue I should have a job anyway? Things have been going quite badly for the Packers on special teams. And not just like a small penalty here, penalty there, 
give up a big return sort of thing. I mean, catastrophic problems. A missed field goal is pretty close, or a blocked field goal, excuse me, is pretty close to a catastrophe. Things are going badly for Murray Strayton's unit. And as good a, a press conference as he can give, the, the proof is in the pudding here, and it's not looking good for the Packers special teams to this point. Now, some of these are player issues. We, um, we talked about long snapper Stephen Wordle getting the job over Hunter Bradley this week. He had some issues on the snaps, and you saw Mason Crosby talking to him on the sidelines. Same with Corey Bohorquez not getting the laces turned around. Uh, so that Mason Crosby is not basically kicking a square surface. I had somebody ask me how big a deal it is to have the laces out. It, it's a pretty big deal. Um, when you don't, when you're you're kicking the side of the football opposite the laces, it's basically as close as you can get to kicking a flat or a square surface uh, on the football. Everybody knows the football is shaped a little bit funny anyway, but that is the most natural fit uh, between your ball, uh, between the ball and your foot when you don't have the irregular surface that the laces present. But if you're kicking the laces either fully or partially, it makes it harder to get a full square kick on it. And as a result, the direction of the ball gets a little bit unpredictable, as we saw with Mason Crosby. That kind of detail stuff should be corrected, because it's correctable. But to this point, it has not. They've tried switching long snappers, um... We see how the results have gone doing that. There is work to be done. We talk special teams generally, but what about Amari Rogers specifically? He was directly or partially responsible for two of those five bad plays. And I ask you, what's the point of having Amari Rogers on the roster right now? He's kind of just a worse version of Randall Cobb as of today. And he might actually be slower than Cobb, despite being a, about a decade younger. Cobb could be that back there returning punts. And I'd have a lot more confidence about Cobb catching every punt and being in the right place and making the right calls as far as uh, when to fair catch, when to stay away, things like that, uh, than Rodgers has to this point. And if Cobb ever actually fields a punt, I feel like he could probably do a little bit more than Rodgers has to this point as well. Interior offensive line, also bad today. Love was sacked only once, but he was hit seven times. And again... I would bet most of those were coming straight up the middle, especially on third downs. Finally, can't get out of another bad segment in this uh, podcast, or segment about things that are bad, I should say. Uh, Without mentioning injuries, it's a problem again. Uh, Kenny Clark leaving during the game with a back injury is a giant screaming red flag. Back injuries, of course, as we all know, tend to linger. Uh, So if that one has any degree of severity to it, uh, that could be something we're watching for the rest of the year. And, of course, Eric Stokes, we never got to see him on the field today because he hurt his knee in pregame warm-ups. Doesn't sound like it was overly serious, and I'm not sure how much of a difference he would have made in this particular game, but still not good um, at this point in the year. What does this game mean for the Packers? It means, for one thing, that they are 7-2. and two, But by and large, this has not hurt the Packers all that much. It really only hurts to the extent that the uh, Arizona Cardinals won today. Other than that, the competition for the one seed in the NFC playoffs is still pretty much where it was after the Packers beat the Cardinals. The Buccaneers were off this week, the Saints lost, the Rams lost, and the rest of the NFC North 
didn't do that well either. The Vikings lost in overtime, despite Baltimore's very best efforts to give that game away. The Lions were idle, and the Bears play on Monday night football this week. So the Packers could actually hold their prodigious lead in the NFC North, even though they lost this game that they very easily could have won. Sometimes you let other people do the work for you. So what's up next? Well, the Seattle Seahawks are coming to Lambeau Field, a 325-425 afternoon kickoff. Uh, Seahawks should have Russell Wilson back, and they may have Odell Beckham Jr. in tow as well. There's some rumors about them sniffing around there, uh, potentially having interest in the former Cleveland Browns and uh, New York Giants wide receiver. Uh, The Packers should also have Aaron Rodgers back as well, assuming he continues to test negative and show no symptoms. He will be eligible to return to the Packers roster on Saturday. And Matt LaFleur said he would have no issues playing Rodgers if he couldn't come back until that point. Uh, So there we go. Barring another setback, Aaron Rodgers is going to be under center for the Packers on Sunday. Just a couple small observations for you this week, then I'll let you get on with your Monday whenever you happen to be listening to this one. Three small notes today. Thought I would take a quick look at Jordan Love versus some other recent Packers quarterbacks making their first starts. Of course, the most relevant comparison is probably Aaron Rodgers. All the way back in 2008, Rodgers went 18 of 22 for 178 yards and one touchdown in his uh, debut as a starter for the Packers. Uh, Elsewhere in the recent quarterback starting, we have Matt Flynn, who started a a game for the Packers against the Patriots in 2010, 24 of 37 for 251 yards, three touchdowns and an interception as Flynn nearly led the upset for the Packers there that day. Uh, Next up after him was Scott Tolzien making a start, 24 of 34 for 339 yards and three interceptions in his first work as the starter. Brett Hundley, Uh, In 2017, with 12 of 25 passing for 87 yards and an interception in his first game as the starter. And then, just as kind of a bonus here, since he only played less than a quarter, in his first game as the starter, Seneca Wallace went 5 of 5 for 25 yards passing for the Packers in 2013. There is at least two, there are at least two interesting draft connections between the Packers and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. The first happens uh, on offense, the second on defense. The first is that uh, Travis Kelsey went 63rd overall in 2013. And I think uh, the Packers and most Packers fans were pretty happy with the guy they selected, just two spots ahead of him in Eddie Lacy, who had a couple very solid years for the Packers uh, before he kind of went the way that most running backs go, uh, his body breaking down for a variety of issues. Um some out of his control as well. But I think in the long term, uh, Kelsey probably would have been the better pick there, considering especially how uh, the Packers were still uh, trying to overcome the loss of Jermichael Finley at that point and could have used a big, productive tight end. Just something to think about, I guess, um, as we look back on the draft in general. Uh, The second connection uh, is Legereus Sneed, who had the interception and uh, two passes defense today. Uh, He went 138th overall in 2019, which was just two picks after pick number 136. Why do I mention number 136? Well, that was what the Packers traded up uh, to move up in the first round and get Jordan Love. Kind of coming full circle there in a way. Uh, He would have been on the board when the Packers were picking at 136 and now is making plays against the Packers. 
Finally, uh, undrafted free agent Jack Heflin, who's been just getting a taste of some playing time lately, um, consider this the far, far B side to the Jordan Love getting his first start today, but uh, Heflin had his first uh, recordable stat of his career today. Uh, Other than snaps, uh, this is the first time he's appeared in the box score. He was credited with an assist on a tackle today. So good for him getting on the field and uh, making a play when he was out there. Uh, He now has a stat to his name, will officially appear in the record books um, going forward. You will always have evidence that he played in the NFL uh, just because he appeared in one official box score going forward. I'd like to note moments like that. even if this wasn't the result that we hoped for, even if, you know, in the grand scheme of things, Jack Heflin may not be uh, the biggest name or the uh, the brightest star for the Packers, there still was a lot of work and a, a lifelong dream, I'm sure, for him to get here. And uh, it's fun to note things like that when they happen for guys. Uh, you made it into official NFL history now. Uh, nobody can take that away from him either. Uh, in the meantime, for the rest of us, uh, we will monitor pretty closely what's going on with the Packers this week and uh, their overall health. Uh, see how Aaron Rodgers is trending and if he is ready to go for a Packers-Seahawks shootout next Sunday at Lambeau Field. In the meantime, that's all I've got for you at this episode. If you enjoyed it, I would appreciate it a lot if you would share it with someone you think would enjoy it as well. That's going to help us continue to grow the show and get more people involved in this conversation we are having around the Green Bay Packers. And that's a great thing because, as I always say, Um, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.